welcome to Financial Footsteps, Candid Conversations with Financial Leaders, the podcast that takes you deep into the minds of the masters behind the numbers. Join host Chad Dean as he connects with financial leaders as they share their journeys so that we can gain valuable insight from their failures and triumphs. Get ready for candid conversations, behind the scenes anecdotes, and practical wisdom that will transform the way you think about your career in finance. Put down the balance sheet and listen in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Financial Footsteps, where we explore the background and careers of financial leaders for the benefit of those who want to follow in their footsteps. My name is Chad Dean, your host. I've been a recruiter for 27 years, and I am the owner and CEO of Integrated Management Resources, a Phoenix-based executive recruiting firm that was established 33 years ago. Integrated is the sponsor of this podcast today. So I am very excited about our guest today. Scott Magnano. Scott has had a long career in accounting and finance and is full of wisdom that I know will be incredible benefit to our listeners. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Scott is the former CFO of Medics Health, which was sold last October. And since then, he has been retained to help the company through uh, post-acquisition strategy. Do I have that right? That is correct. Fantastic. So let's uh, let's start and and give the listeners a little background on you personally and family and hobbies Absolutely. and that kind of stuff. For sure. So uh, I'm a native uh, New Englander. So grew up in in Connecticut. Went to college in Connecticut. Met my wife in Connecticut. She's from uh, New Hampshire, and uh, about. Just shy of 10 years ago, we were sitting there talking after a big snowstorm, about 30 inches hit the ground. And I'm like, uh, I'm not so sure of of this white stuff anymore, right? I've, I always wanted to live somewhere warm. Um, and uh, so we kind of looked at each other and just decided, let's do it, right? Let's uh, let's put the house on the market. Let's, let's move. Kids were little at the time. I will say my parents were not very fond of the decision to take the grandkids away, especially the only granddaughter. Until they visited, right? Until, exactly, (laughs) right? We packed up the house. We moved to Arizona. We had been out here half a dozen times and just loved the just the environment. People are so nice. They're so social. It just felt like home when we came out here. So we knew this. And across the country, I was the first one to leave the family. So it was a big, big deal. Yeah, so we, we moved and it's been so happy that we've been here. And then uh, been married almost 15 years uh, in July and then uh, have two little ones, 10 and 13. So uh, they, they certainly keep us busy. And I always tell people the best job I've ever had is being a dad. Amen it's, to that. It's, it's so rewarding uh, and, and so challenging at the same time, right? But it it's, uh, wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, it is certainly a challenge. That's uh, I always tell people it's it's hard to raise good kids because it takes a lot of work. Yes, it does. What do you do for uh, fun? So, with two kids, a lot of running around, right? With uh, my, my sons in, in club baseball, which I know that pretty big out here, right? So you know, have a you know a lot of that, and it's just so. I played sports when I was little. I stunk at baseball, right? So it's good to see, you know, him doing well uh, in a sport that I was I was challenged in. 
my daughter, she's, you know, into horseback riding and, and dance and gymnastics. And so, um, again, this is the, the beauty of being a parent is being able to, you know, pers- participate in that. And, you know, again, being out here in Arizona, I try to hit the links every once in a while. And it's fair to say that I get my money's worth on a per swing basis, nice. um, you know, as to, you know, how, how, how it goes. But, um, yeah, it's just enjoying the time out here. For those that don't know, club baseball, generally you're at the ballpark all day Saturday for the privilege of playing to then come back to the ballpark on Sunday. And that's the goal. And uh, yeah, we went through that for a number of years, but it's so much fun and and it goes by quickly. Mine are 19 and 17, no longer, well, one's playing college sports, but uh, yeah, it it goes by quick. It does. I'm glad you're you're having the time of your life right now. That's fantastic. So before we get into this, I'm gonna. I didn't tell Scott I was gonna do this, but actually, I didn't know I was gonna do it. But I am holding this up for the benefit of those that are um, watching the actual video. There are pages and pages and pages of recommendations on LinkedIn. I encourage you to go and look at all the recommendations that Scott has on LinkedIn. And I'm going. I might bear embarrass him a little bit because I think he's pretty (laughs) humble, but I'm just going to pull out some of the the things that I read on here that will give a little bit of credit. And I apologize. I have to remove my glasses in order to read, but here's some of the words, inspire, supportive, motivate, keen insight into organizational metrics. I was lucky enough to work for Scott at XYZ, extremely collaborative, friendly and outgoing personality, wonderful family oriented guy. Proactive, collaborative, effective business partner, a valuable resource, intelligent, possesses a rare combination of financial acumen, innovative thinking combined with a collaborative style. And I could go on and on. I have pages of highlights, uh, but I don't want to lose the audience. But let's just, it's safe to say that um, Scott, um, I think, is a very well respected leader. And so, um, sorry to embarrass you there, but I just wanted to put that out as far as you know, the street cred of mm-hmm. having you on here. And I, I do appreciate that. So um, let's go back. Uh, we were talking just before we came on that you played soccer in college and you did not go to school for accounting finance. So let's kind of go through that. Yeah. So, um, you know, late, late high school, uh, I remember I was trying to decide, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? Right. And so, you know, one minute I wanted to be an architect. Right. And then another minute I wanted to be a, a PE teacher. And then, you know, ultimately I decided, oh, I want to teach, but I want to I want to teach math. So I went to school for a double major uh, math education and then went to play soccer uh, as well uh, at Quinnipiac, which is a, a small school, private school in, in Connecticut. And ultimately decided to transfer from Quinnipiac after my freshman year and, and went to another school in Connecticut, Eastern Connecticut. And that was the plan was math teacher. And, and the thing that was interesting was they don't put you in a classroom until you're a junior. I remember going through my first assignment and I'm literally 30 minutes in and I'm like, uh, I don't think this is my calling. Right. And I'm, so I'm sitting there going, I'm a junior double major and I'm supposed to be a teacher. And now this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> uh oh. Right. So uh, I'm thinking to myself, what do I do with a math degree? Right. And so, um, as you may know, Connecticut is the insurance capital of the world. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I was able to 
link up with a family friend who worked at a major insurer there and kind of did the accounts payable back office, started, and and I actually started school. I didn't graduate until June of 99. I started my full-time job in December because I only had a couple credits, uh, which was awesome, right? Because I didn't have to go find a job right after graduating. I already had a full-time job and I was taking a couple night classes just to finish the credits. And that was kind of the start of it. Wow. And so you started out just doing accounting and finance jobs and, and what, like, what did the, did the family friend sell you on this or were you just like, okay, well, like what, what was, what inspired you to take a, yeah, a job in accounting so and finance? It was kind of like one of those of, having that conversation w- with him because uh, I knew he you know, worked at the, the insurer of uh, what do I do in the math degree? And then we started talking about the actuarial route, but let's just get you in, right? Start, start an accounting uh, role. And then, you know, we'll kind of, you know, as they say, get your foot in the door and then we'll figure out, you know, where you go from there. Uh, so it was, it was kind of as most, I would imagine most, most kids is, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but you know, here I am and I'll start here. So you were there for nine years. What uh, transpired over those nine years? And I always like to ask, did you kind of develop a passion for this line of business and in this line of work? Yeah, it's interesting. So, so started in, in the, you know, AP role uh, as an individual contributor and then started interacting with each of the department leads and started working on budgeting and then doing some forecasting, expense forecasting with them. And then it just, as my career kind of morphed from there and at that company, and it was, it was the Hartford, so a very large insurance company. And I then became a financial analyst supporting a bunch of uh, departments on, on the claims. And then we had a, uh, a project where we were potentially acquiring another company. And so it was, uh, you know, locking ourselves in a room, doing some financial modeling around synergies and offices and geography and where can we combine organizations and, uh, you know, what would that look like? And that was like my first true dabble, right, into analysis. I'm like, this is super fun. Um, I love modeling. I, I love trying to, you know, take take information and, and tell a story, right, and and be able to help make decisions around, you know, what, what it does look like. And then I worked in actuarial a little bit at the Hartford as well. And for me, I mean, actuaries, God bless them. They are incredibly brilliant, but to become an actuary, you got to, you know, pass a series of tests that are intense, right? You got to really be into it, right? And you got (laughs) to be a data junkie and I'm a data junkie, but I also like telling the story. I like being immersed in the business. I like, you know, process improvement. I I, I was a, a green belt Six Sigma. So, you know, trying to understand where there's opportunities for us to make improvements. So I was like, I, I like the numbers aspect, but not to the degree of that's that's where I'm going to focus. But my time at the Hartford, I was very disciplined around exposure to different areas. So I worked in a claims department, then I worked in personal insurance, then I worked in small uh, insurance. So just trying to get a full understanding of, of the operation and, and how they interact with one another, I, I think was in that background, 
really led me to, you know, the, the, the foundation, if you will, right, for, for my, my future career. Did you find that um, not having a finance degree held you back at all? It's funny. No. And, and, and a story, I remember when I was at a mentor when I was at the Hartford, and it was, I was probably about three, four years in there, and then we started having a conversation around, do I get an MBA, right? Don't I? And the answer I got from him was not what I was expecting. You know, his answer was, you could, by all means, it's not going to hurt you, but you can really build something special here, right? You can build a reputation. Your reputation already is really strong, is just continue to work hard, right? Continue to get exposure, continue to immerse yourself, get yourself at the table so you can learn the business. You will, that will be so valuable for you as you go forward. And, and again, not saying yes or no, but just saying, you know, it, it, it's okay if, if that's not what you want to do is, but take advantage of it and, and just work your butt off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that kind of, kind of resonated. And as you said, I'm not the traditional background of a CFO, right? I, I, I didn't get my degree in accounting. I, I didn't get my degree in finance. I don't have my MBA. I don't have my CPA. I'm a math major, right? And, and, and here we are um, coming off a successful exit in my first CFO role. And if I was to turn back the clock to when I graduated, being CFO would not have been one of the things that I thought I would be doing. Yeah. How did you, I, uh, you said hard work, and I actually did a LinkedIn post about this the other day of, mm-hmm. of how can people um, stand out of the crowd, right? You're not the only person at, at Hartford that wants to succeed. I'm sure there are a lot of ambitious people there. Why do you think you were picked over and over again for these different um, groups? Did you have a manager that pulled you along? Was it the mentor that recommended? Like, how can somebody that's junior in their career stand out from the crowd in a large organization mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. So for me, it was really focusing on learning the business, right? And so becoming not just the finance guy uh, or the finance gal, it's, you know, becoming a true business partner. And then when I see roles that I felt were the logical next step, I went after them. You know, I, 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 I didn't wait for my number to be called. I saw him. I had dialogue, right, with my my manager around, I think this is really compelling, right, and really would be a good next step for me in getting their support, right? Because there's so many – applying for a new job can be so uncomfortable for people. For me, it's never been uncomfortable because, you know, I'm all about transparency and, and, and being just authentic and true and just saying – this is something that, that looks interesting to me. What do you think? You know, do you think I'm ready or do I still have things to, to finish here? And so it's funny, though. I do look back at my peers when I was at the Hartford. And I got to so many of them have gone on to do some amazing things um, in, in leadership roles, you know, across the gamut. Uh, and so working for a very large company right out of college was absolutely the right thing for me to do. Just because the level of of training and the level of exposure and, and just the broadness of the company, you can move around and learn so much 
in those types of environments versus getting out of college and working for a, a small small company, you don't have those opportunities um, as, as much at your disposal. I got a funny question. It just came to my mind because you, you're talking about learning so much and doing all this research. And, and for, for those that are younger, they don't realize that you were basically there before the internet, right? Or at the, <laughs> right at the onset of the internet. So how do you learn a bunch of stuff where there's no internet? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about just being eager and, and, and reaching out. Right. And, and cause the company, again, they had pretty common, they would have town halls with different areas of the company. Anyone could come in, right. And listen, and they had a huge auditorium, right. So it held a lot of employees. I would take every opportunity I could, even if I was in claims that they're talking about what's going on in personal insurance or workers comp or, if I had the capacity and ability, I you know wasn't working on something that I need to get done. I would go listen to those all day long. That's applicable to today as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Not only does it does it give you insight to your own organization that that you know it's probably hard to find on the internet, but it also opens up uh, networking mm-hmm. opportunities. Absolutely, you're sitting next to you know somebody in operations or somebody in HR. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. So, so what along the way? I always like to ask this question, when did you know that you wanted to be a CFO? Not until, honestly, until after I moved out here. You know, because initially it was, I want to be in, in, in a leadership role. Is, you know, part of me sometimes, I wanted to run a, run a business or, or an arm of a business. There's many different types of CFOs. There's, I, I kind of liken myself to the strategic operational CFO. Right. So, you know, really trying to roll up my sleeves and understand the operation. I truly believe that you can't be successful in a, in a leadership role, let alone a CFO role, if you don't understand the business and you're not immersing yourself in learning it along the way. And in my role prior to, to going to medics as a CFO, you know, I built out an FP&A organization from scratch. It's crazy when I when it, not only when I you you see so many posts on LinkedIn around the topic, I've experienced in my my career as well is the full appreciation and understanding of what FP&A is and the value it can bring to our organization. It, it, it sometimes just gets lumped in with accounting, right? And it's this is you know your back office, you know you do your debits and your credits and you close the books. There is so much more value that that we bring to the table. And being able to build that organization from scratch, seeing how it started changing the conversations and the dialogue and decisions that we were making, I was like, you know what? This is, I think I'm ready for that next, that next step. And it was really just, it, it wasn't by design. I didn't reach out to recruiters and say, I'm looking for a CFO job, right? It, it just, it just happened. Right? Yeah. I don't want to discourage. I'm very careful about discouraging people from accounting, but you know, I ask people that are in accounting and, and they're, what do you want to do next? They say, I want to go into finance. And mm-hmm. I would, I was asked why. Mm-hmm. And so many times the answer is it's because FP&A is like the friend of the CFO, <laughs> whereas accounting is just doing their job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have more exposure to the CFO in FP&A. Is that accurate? I think it's an accurate statement. I mean, you're you're certainly more connected with the business, 
right? Because you're the eyes and ears. I always say, like, we're, we're the fortune tellers, right? Our job is to advise and, and tell the future for the company as to what we're seeing and, and how we're tracking. The power of data is no company I've ever worked for where there's not cyclicality to our business. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm a true believer that data decisions are the best decisions. It doesn't mean that you know, things that we're changing on operational or sales perspective can't change historical trends. But let's ground ourselves in what historically has happened, right? And so I think, you know, when you think about FP&A, it absolutely, you could be the CEO's right-hand person, right, in in that role, um, as long as they value the, you know, because there's, again, it's one of those where, do they value or not value, right? The perspective of, of FP&A. Gotcha. So let's kind of switch gears. And, and you did mention that you knew you wanted to be a leader. When did that realization come about? Were you a natural leader? And what was like your first experience at leadership? You know, back in my true people leadership, um, I would say was, was at Travelers. That was my, my second role uh, in my career. And, and it's more of a leadership from an overall P&L for, for the region. And so with that came a lot of demands and a lot of decision-making and, and a lot of strategy. And, you know, I would, our, our sales team would be on appointments with clients. I would join them, right? Just to kind of listen and hear and, and feel and understand some of their challenges that they're having when we're all about, you know, just drive new business and it's not that simple, right? You got to understand the dynamics of, of the business. And we're one of 15 folders they can pull out to sell. And, and, you know, how do we get better as a company? How do we get better as, as individuals and leaders to really give our sales team the toolbox and everything they need to be successful? And then seeing how we transform the way that we approached the business, how we allocated funds, how we earmarked marketing dollars um, with our with our agency partners, how we segmented our agencies because we had 1,500 agencies for 12 salespeople. That's a lot of calls, right? And you can't handle them all the same. So we got to be strategic around how do we handle that? And so that was the full, like, first experience of, of leadership and seeing the results of, of thinking through the challenges. And then from a people perspective, you know, before I joined Medics was again building out an FP&A organization and just seeing the impact and the passion, right? We probably use that word a lot today, of our team and how we continue to assist all of our business leaders in in making good, sound decisions. And and I knew I was doing a good job when I didn't need to ask that we be added to meetings. That we were brought into meetings, right? And then I was like, okay, we're, we're there, right? We've made that that leap that we needed to. They understand the value and, and we're really, you know, doing some amazing things there. I was never formally trained to manage an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And I found it extremely challenging when I bought the business, I had to manage people and I was, I was terrible at it. Mm-hmm. I had my MBA, but they never, I don't remember a class teaching you how to manage really. So did you find yourself a natural leader and what's your leadership style? Yeah. So for me, it, it's whether it's peer to peer, 
you know, as I've gone through my career now, it's more around, you know, how do you, how do you manage peer to peer at an executive level versus, you know, individuals uh, in direct reports? It's been a learning of everyone's different, right? How people like to be recognized is different, right? How people like to be approached with business challenges is different. And so some people want you to meet prior to a meeting, right? And, and, and discuss the, the business challenge. And you got to be able to appreciate, recognize that and act on it. Um, and, and they'll appreciate you more. They'll trust you more, right? When you, when you do that. And then from a, you know, direct reports is sim- similar in nature where there's rarely where we are talking about a business challenge or formulating our forecast or, or talking about strategy where I'm not bringing my FP&A lead with me because my job is, I've always viewed my job is to groom the next leader of this organization, then whether it's with us or, or with, but I love to look back and, and, you know, you mentioned some of the recommendations of, of folks. You know, some of those were my direct reports and they're doing some amazing things still, right? And be able to just watch their journey. That, that's my goal, right? Is that, you know, you can walk away from this role and this is how I led and how I taught is really going to propel you for, for what's next. Was that natural to you? It was, right? And I think it's, you know, goes back to my playing days in sports, right? Similar thing of, I was a goalkeeper, right? So I loved it, right? I was pretty critical to either losing a game, right? Or, or help winning a game. But if we don't score goals, it doesn't matter what I do, right? And so, you know, as a, as a leader on the, on the field, whether it's, you know, the court, the field is, you're only as good as your weakest link, right? And so it's our job as leaders to make sure that we're supporting and helping the, gra- the greater good because you can have the best forward or the best goalkeeper, or, but if you're not a cohesive, solid team that trusts one another, you're not going to be successful. That goes for business as well. It does. It does. Absolutely. So you mentioned it, so I'm going to go ahead and just jump on it. Passion. Mm-hmm. I played college golf, and one of my oldest son plays in college he similar to me has the ability to develop to develop a passion. So where do you and and you obviously had to have passion for soccer to get to the level that you did and I hear a passion in your voice for for business mm-hmm. and what you do and helping people. Where does that stem from for you? I'm just a competitive person to begin with. I think uh, having an older brother that's just as competitive, you know, probably probably helped. And I also think that, you know, growing up in in the in the environment I was in, seeing my parents work their tail off, different shifts. My dad worked in the mornings, my mom worked in the, in the evenings. And so there was always like a two hour gap in between. And so my mom worked, it was a, was a nurse. So we'd sit in the waiting room at the hospital for two hours until my dad got off and took us home. And as a kid, you don't really understand like that, right? And And so, and yet, they're always at our events. They're always um, hosting, you know, a little bit of my back in my hometown. My parents would host our friends, 30, 40 kids every weekend would come over our house. Right. And it was just they wanted somewhere safe for them to to be um, somewhere where they can 
do good things or not do bad things, right? And seeing that and seeing how they raised us, and then when I got out to the real world, the competitive nature of myself, I don't like losing. I don't like being average. I, I, I don't like me- mediocrity. My fantasy football team can can attest to that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always want to, I made a promise to myself, wherever I go, I always want to leave there the place better. And I can firmly say that, you know, every role I've been, I truly believe I've left that place better. And it's not, you know, it's so too is you hear a lot about hard work. Yes, hard work's important. To me, working smarter is more important than working harder. There's a lot to get done. Uh, there's a lot of responsibilities. We got to continue to get smarter along the way, uh, whether it's using tools, whether it's when it's repetitive type of analysis of not doing it once and then redoing it, right? It, it's that. So we can continue to be good and, 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 and exceed expectations. But for me, it's I'm just a passionate person when it comes to life. Like I, I when it comes to my son's baseball, right? it's good yeah. to, good to yeah. be a part of that too. I'm always trying to figure out I have two boys. I'm hyper competitive. My oldest one is hyper competitive. My younger one shows hyper competitiveness, but not in everything. And my older one, my younger one is really hyper competitive in uh, um, school or not in school and like other things like video games, mm. but he's extremely good at school, but he just, but he wants to get A's. My older one, zero passion for school, didn't get good grades, but passion for other things. He was a day trader at 13, you know, like took paid for his own course to learn how to do that. And so I don't know if it's the parenting and seeing that and mapping your parents. And, and if, I don't know if it's that I'm always trying to figure out where does passion come from within people? What drives them? Because that to me is the most one of the most important things in life and in success at anything, I don't care what you have a passion in, you're going to be good at it if you have a passion because it will motivate your and drive you. Yeah, I think because even if you go back to my decision around being a math teacher, I can tell you if that's what I ended up doing, I would not have been good at it, right? Because it wasn't my passion, right? And so everyone's got that passion, they just got to find what that is. So you believe everybody has that. I believe you you have it. It's just you got to find what it is. And some people, it's easier than than others. You know, it, it's interesting. There's a story that my my uh, a founder at Medic, he shared with me is, you know, his, his father-in-law is mid-90s. He just learned a couple years ago he has the ability and the passion for art. It took him 90-something years to figure that out. I haven't seen the art, but my understanding is not only is he passionate about it, he's amazing at it, right? And Fascinating. So, right? So you sometimes you just don't know when that you're going to come across. But I, I truly do believe it's it's in everybody. Just you got to find what that is. I kind of just followed my passion. I mean, I have a degree in biology, right? So that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now, but I just really loved learning how things worked. So I started out as an electrical engineer and I found out I wasn't good at math <laughs> or programming, which you need to be for an electrical engineer. So I was like, well, what doesn't take a lot of higher math? Well, mapping things out in a, in a forest just was addition and subtraction and mm-hmm. some multiplication. So I didn't need more than that. So that's why I picked biology. And, uh, and I, you know, just, I had a great passion for it. I just couldn't find a job in it. Mm. So, 
Okay, so you started out in insurance and you did that for a number of years. And then all of a sudden you you switched. You went to LifeLock and mm-hmm. then you went to, which is basically, a, what is that, a finance? What's that considered? LifeLock? So it's it, it's still a form of insurance, right? Okay. Um, you know, because it's it's one of those. You know, I actually had my identity stolen, which okay. was which was after I left LifeLock, but I had LifeLock, thank God. Um, and so, you know, it's again, you're selling a promise that you'll deliver when something happens. And so, you know, it was it was different than insurance, but still in the same general industry. And then you went to to into banking for a little bit, and then you switched to um, health. So I, I'm kind of curious about switching those industries. How, how was that for you? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because, and that kind of why I left the Hartford, um, because again, I had a mentor when I was younger and travelers is, is literally like three blocks down the road. Right. So there's always traffic going back and forth between the two companies. And I'm sitting there at nine years in at the Hartford. And I'm like, you know, what do I, what do I do from here? You know, it's in, in, I actually was, was told like, go somewhere else, you know, the Hartford way, but you know, there, there's other ways to go. And so that led to me moving, you know, to, to travelers. Uh, and then, you know, I moved on to another insurance company as well. And then I was like, well, do I, I'm quickly becoming an insurance guy. Right. And, and so I don't want to be an insurance guy. I mean, I could, but if I want to leave Connecticut, you know, becoming an insurance guy is a little more difficult. You know, that kind of led me to getting exposure, you know, to other industries. It, it's interesting, too, because as a CFO or in finance in general, I always have the question of, well, you need manufacturing experience or you need healthcare experience or you need, and, and to me, finance is finance. The so, same core concepts, right? The same strategy, strategy. And so, you know, one thing I will say that I encourage, you know, those coming out of, out of school is, you know, don't feel like you're locked into an industry. Right? Don't feel once you're in insurance, you're insurance, right? Um, because our skill set is, is so valuable and so transferable uh, across, across. It really, again, passion. What, what industry are you passionate about? Right. I love insurance, to be honest. Like, you know, I, I love the the data aspect of it. Right. The, the numbers and the modeling and the probabilities and how you set rates like that to me is, you know, super, super interesting. Um, I'm glad it is for yeah, somebody. Yeah. For some, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so dry. Right. So regard, what I can tell you is regardless of where I'm at, what company I'm at, what industry, it needs to involve Numbers, right? Data, strategy, and having a seat at the table to to make sure that we're driving the right the right future and, and the right decisions today, that aren't about tomorrow or next month, but about you know three, six, you know five years from now. So after this was, it's funny you went back to insurance again, <laughs> um, and that's where you built this FP and A group that yeah. you're proud of. How were you qualified to be a CFO, and and how did that come knocking on the door? Yeah. And, Tell me about that. So, yeah. So, you know, if you look at my career, it's it kind of three to four years was like my my sweet spot, right, of, of roles. I don't know if that was by design or just natural, like, okay, I'm ready for something new, right? Um, A little restless. Right? So I, I was there at, when in my role before I came to, to medics, and a recruiter called and 
And gosh darn recruiters. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna it's it's in the health industry and it's a CFO and you know, you're one of, you know, three candidates and the other two have experience in the in the industry. What do you think? And I'm like, sure, you know, let let's do this, right? Um and I I remember I was actually on vacation back east when I was having the conversations and then I had to present to, you know, uh, the founder and then the the GM as well and other members of the leadership team. I was given a homework assignment, right? And 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 so I had to look at, you know, our industry, what are some of the industry challenges, look at a couple of large agency holding companies who are our primary customers and tell them what they need to be prepared for. And I'm sitting there going, I know nothing about this industry, right? I know nothing about the company. Uh, how am I going to do this, right? And again, it came down to, I'm going to go research. I'm going to go. The listen. internet this time, right? All right. I'm going to go listen to conference calls, right? I'm going to go look at their financials. I'm going to go just explore what's going on in the space. Look at the, the company's competitors to see who else is out there and what are they, you know, what can I uh, glean from, from public knowledge? And I threw together, you know, a, a eight to 10 page, you know, kind of story around, you know, here's, here, here's what the things I think we need to be, you know, focused and, and, and really starting to build a plan around because it's coming. And I, it was felt so weird, right? S- you know, sitting there presenting to them where I know nothing about the industry and, and you know, trying to tell them what they should be doing was, was, was interesting. But I remember walking away, being done, standing up and being like, okay, that was, that, that, that felt good. Walking out the door saying the thanks and, and the handshakes and and then getting in the in the car and, and literally within five minutes my phone rings and the recruiter says you're the one you huh? nailed it you know they're they're working on an offer and you'll have it shortly when you were in that meeting were they engaged with you and and they're like do you feel like you maybe gave them some insight that they hadn't thought of themselves because you're outside of you I absolutely absolutely because there's a lot of questions and and a lot of Wow, I didn't think of that. Again, that's where I'm a curious person. Like I'm just naturally curious. If I see something or or I see a way that we can do so, uh, uh, something better, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves. I'm gonna go all in and 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 try to figure out you know why and, and the solution and 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 the story. And so I think it's just that natural ability for me to just. All right, this this is good. I'll, I'll I'll pick this up. I'll 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 do the research. I'll I'll speak to it as if I I understand the business, knowing that half of what I'm saying, like I'm so out of you know turn of of talking about. But it's you know I'm we'll, you know probably talk a little bit about is is interview prep is so important, right? You got to do your homework. You, you got it, and it's not browsing you know the internet for ten minutes before. It, it's it's hours of of prep and really understanding what's going on, researching the company, researching the interviewers, researching the competitors. and that, Because the more you do that, and, it, and it's also about mock presentations. I, I probably did that presentation if a dozen plus times, right? Just to continue to hone in. And, and not only that was you had X number of, of minutes to present it. And so... You really got to, you know, work on, all right, how much can I spend on this page? And it's all about preparation. And 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 if you prepare, you're going to be naturally confident, right? You're going to have that presence. And, and uh, you know, that's priceless. 
You sound like you're giving my pitch of why, when I do my executive prep to people, why it's so important. Mm -hmm. That's it. So I'm going to jump off of that just Mm -hmm. for a second, because I always tell people that people hire people they like, but they hire people that act like they're interested in working for them. Mm -hmm. If you come in and you don't have any questions prepared, then you, you act like you just kind of showed up and you're just there. And so the number one way to show that you're interested in the position is to come in with questions based on your research, deep research. Here's what I, you know, look, looking at some of the things that these might be some of the problems that you're facing. Is this accurate? Mm-hmm. And how do you approach those? And that's, and it, 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 we didn't talk about this beforehand, yeah. but that is so beautiful what you just said. And it it's so important for people to listen to that because I don't know that they teach that in school. I don't think that they do. I, yeah, and and that's as an interviewer, right? I'm very conversational. Like I don't. Yeah, I could tell you're good at telling stories. Right? I don't come with a list of questions, right? I know what the questions are in my mind, right? But it's more about the conversation and and, and did you do your homework, right? What do you know about us? Do you understand kind of what we're looking for? And do you you can know right away whether that person has the passion for what they want to do or not you you can just immediately pick up on it. So That's a fact. You know, and you don't want I don't want scripted answers, right? I I want to really feel that excitement and that energy in your voice and your desire to to really want to be and your understanding of 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 what we're going to be cuz I always tell interview viewer ease, right? The same thing of your job is to make sure this is the right fit for you as much as it's to make sure that this is the right fit for us, mm-hmm. right? And so it goes both ways. And so ask away, right? Feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, that's, that's so brilliant. So you get into the C. You've got the the C title mm-hmm. now. Do you uh, do you know what you're doing? Is it natural progression for you or was that a big learning experience? Yeah, it's funny. So, you know, I get there and you know, when you're in finance and FP&A, you kind of know that aspect of it, right? But then I realized, right, there's all this tax filing stuff, right? And and uh, audits and other filings around 401ks and making sure that you're in compliance that I've never had exposure to. But it was that learning as I went through it, right? That was so, it's not rocket science, right? It, it's just making sure that you understand and, and you have the right partners in place, right, to help you you navigate that as well. So, of course, there was learnings, no doubt, right, early on. I think our biggest learning was COVID, right? I joined in... What's that? Yeah, Never heard yeah, of Yeah, right? I joined in <laughs> August of 19, uh, you know, first-time CFO, right? Companies kind of in this, you know, we're, we're kind of floundering from a, from a growth perspective and you know, not making money and, and hence why I was brought in to kind of position us, you know, for, for the, the future. And then COVID hits, right? You want to talk about getting thrown into the fire yeah, uh, and, and having to make really tough decisions for the sake of the business. I couldn't, as I look back, I, I could not have had a better experience and picked a better time to go through that than, 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 than then. Did you have a strong uh, accounting team? I did. So, I mean, we're a relatively small company. So, you know, we had a, a pretty solid controller um, and we had a, a staff account. So literally our, our team was was two on the accounting side. 
we had a outside audit firm that did our annual audits. Plus, they were there for our you know kind of really in depth questions that if we needed assistance, so they were they were helpful there. But yeah, I needed you know without having that accounting, but I need to ensure I had a strong you know controller in place, um, and that was one of the the requirements when I came in was you know I can handle the the strategy and the forward thinking. Uh, no, no, no problem. But you've got to make sure we have a solid accounting, you know, team in place. So let's now do the plug for accounting. What's what? How important is it to have a strong controller? Incredibly important. If it wasn't for our controller and, and our, you know, certainly our current um, uh, controller at, at the company, my job would have been a heck of a lot more difficult. I want to focus on the business. That's where I want to spend my energy and time. Is making sure we're growing the business and we're making the right decisions. I need to ensure that our accounting is solid. Um, you know, but being a CFO, I have accountability that accounting too, right? So it's not as if, you know, I just sign things blindly, but it's it's making sure that we have the right controls in place, making sure we have the right cross checks. Because in finance, it's funny, I always say I can guarantee you I've never hit a forecast dead on. Right, I'm I'm over ever, right on a on a forecast. I've been close, right, which is what we want to be, but in accounting you can't be close, right? You need to be dead on, and so it's a different discipline, it's a different mindset, and just having somebody there that you can rely on, and and is not afraid to, hey, I'm not sure about this, right? Can I reach out to our accounting? Absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, we want to, I want you to feel confident, in a, you know, if, if you're not sure to make that decision. So you, you, uh, you join and then you go through COVID and then all of a sudden you are a first time CFO and now you're gearing up for a sale. When did that yeah. come into the conversation? For sure. So I joined, you know, it was of the understanding that, you know, we're, we're building this for an exit in three to five years. Um, and, and hence the reason for for bringing in more of a strategic you know mindset is to position us for that. And so you know we did go to market in 2021, full process. You know, I didn't think we were quite ready yet. You know it's like one of those where we had started building the products, but we didn't have the revenue. So I kind of the analogy of the Shark Tank, right? You hear so many people go on that show that have amazing ideas amazing products, amazing concepts. And then the first question is, you know, well, how much revenue do you have? And it's, oh, I got about a, you know. I've sold five. You know, <laughs> and then you lose all interest, right? And so to get the full valuation that you need, we got to make sure we have the, the actual revenue track and, and path to support it. And we just, we just weren't there yet. And we found that out as part of the process that, you know, it, it, we needed to generate some real revenue before we could get there. And then, you know, we kind of said, all right, well, we got another couple of years, right, to to get us there. So let's focus on execution and ensuring we have the right product set up. And we, we started going forward. And then what led to the interest in the company is we had a competitor of ours that was, was purchased um, and acquired. And we were one of the few players out there that were still independent. And so, you know, a couple of people who were, were there, but they didn't get the deal. They were hungry. They were hungry. <laughs> and so the phone started ringing uh, and, and we answered. Uh, and so uh, we went through that process. Uh, I got to tell you, it, it was 
absolutely the most intense six to nine months of my career. That's what I've heard. Um, it was not only the, the, for myself, but for my team, right? Because, you know, anytime you're in this potential acquisition, everything's got to be very tight-lipped, right? Because you don't want to distract from the business. You want us to make sure that we're not taking our eye off the ball. So even from a leadership team, it's a very small subset that that's that knows about it. We're still trying to run the business, yet trying to pull together decks and 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 have these meetings and people are coming to the office and it's like, who are these people? Right. And so you're trying to do the right thing along the way. But my biggest concern is we can't take our eye off the business, right? Because if that goes away, it doesn't matter. But yeah, the diligence, the the data rooms, the you know, the pitch after the pitch after the pitch. Um, and then the, the the quality of earnings, right, um, which is, you know, huge on the finance and, and accounting side. Preparing for that and making sure that we're we're in a good spot and, and literally an a eight-hour session where you're just getting pegged with questions. It, 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 was, it was intense, right? And then getting calls, right? We got to update the forecast. So it was all worth it. I mean, it was such a great experience um, to go through that. Um, and and see that when the vision I, we had when I joined and to actually see it come to fruition and be able to deliver on the promises that we had made, not only to ourselves, right, but, you know, our, our, our shareholders, our, our, our owner, and our employees. And so it was by far the most challenging yet the most exciting period of my career. Do you ever think it was dead, like towards the end? So, yeah. So we we had a it, we had a few interested parties, um, and, and along the way, and it's like one of those, you know, you'll lose one, and then you know you'll get another one, and and then and again you're going, you're rehashing these same pitches all right? over. You got probably got pretty good, right? After yeah, a while. yeah. It's like, all right, can we just, you know, let's grab the one from last can week, we video dust, it? It, dust <laughs> it off, right? Let's 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 tailor the responses to the questions, right? But then it's then you got to meet with their bankers, and then you got to meet with their product team, and you're you're rehashing the same stuff, and yeah, and then along the way, you know, your your pipeline changes, and so you're trying to make sure that okay, how is that impacting, you know, what we're what we're saying, or or how the deal's gonna you know come together, and other things happen in the industry that you're just you're again you're you're so far in the process that you're trying to to manage the expectations along the way. So, yeah, in 2021 it was I kind of didn't think we would have a suitor, but and with this process, given we were one of the last left, you know, I was pretty confident that we would you know find that 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 right fit. It was just a matter of with who. Um, and then, you know, the timing of it. So you worked yourself out of a job. I did. I, did. <laughs> I did. It's, it's, um, you know, it's one of those, those, those things, right. Where you're know, going in, I knew that that was a possibility. It depends on who your acquirer is, right. If it's a, it's a PE in your portfolio company, it's probably, you know, I'm just in the, you know, second inning of a nine inning game. Right. You know, in this case, it was it was a public company who already had a CFO, and you know, for for me, it really came down to what is my passion, what I want to do. Um, I love the private sector now. You know, being in that, I mean, I've worked for public, and I'm now in the private of going through that and just the nimbleness and and how do we you know kind of compete with the big boys, right? 
in, in the criticality of, of making sure that we're being really thoughtful around resources and deployment of capital. And, and we don't have money to just throw out, right? We got to be really, you know, ta- you know, strategic yet tactical, right? It, around where we do, where we place resources and capital. Um, and just always trying to be in front of our competition, always trying to think, you know, what are they doing better or, or what are we doing better that we got to, you know, we just got to market it better. I love the, the private company feel. And so, uh, yeah, if you talk about passion, you know, that's, uh, I would love to do it all over again. Um, you know, another, another exit in three or five years and a similar company, a similar situation. All right. All listeners, let's, let's help Scott out, <laughs> spread the word on that. All right, please. Um, I think uh, just like every one of these uh, uh, accolades that you have, the next company will be lucky to have you. Yeah, I think the other thing too is it's a blessing, right? I mean, going through the exit, it you know I, it does give me a time to like decompress a little bit, right? Um, enjoy time with the family, like just get myself, you know, health wise, right? Do the things that I always wanted to do or I've been wanting to do, and keep putting on the back burner and. You know, just recharging, right? Because that sure. grind going it, into a sale is yeah. it's no it's no joke. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mentally and physically exhausting. So before we wrap up, tell me what advice or well let's do this one. What would you go back and tell your younger self? Because I think you've learned a lot. Yeah, it, it's 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 funny. I, I think my my biggest thing too is I always tell myself I have zero regrets in life. You make some good decisions, you make some bad decisions, right? But the bad decisions make you better. And the good decisions hopefully are, are you know, naturally are going to uh, propel you forward. You know, one thing I would have done earlier is is networking. You know, I had a mentor, which if you want to talk about absolutely have a mentor. When you're early in your career, someone that you can confide in. I can't tell you how valuable it was when you run into certain situations, right? Certain challenges that have someone who has the experience that you can you know, confide in and they can help you through that. So absolutely have a mentor network. I wasn't very good at that earlier in my career. And I do think that that's incredibly valuable. You never know, right? It's one of those, you become a community, right? Things start happening, but you also get to learn. Like I'm on a couple networking groups now where the stuff that we talk about, even if it's not exactly an issue, a situation I'm in, it's something similar, right? And so you get to hear the best of the best and so many bright minds just talk about how they would navigate the situation. It's priceless. So absolutely do that. And, and, and the other thing, too, is extend yourself, right? Challenge yourself. Put your neck out there, right? If there's a project that's available that you know may not be kind of in your wheelhouse or you're not sure you raise your hand, right? Put yourself out there. And I, I will tell you, you will find that experience and in, in your ability to so, suddenly you're comfortable, right? In those environments. A lot of people aren't comfortable in those environments. And so you learn, you repeat, you learn to repeat. And then before you know it, you're going to be a leader. I think that is a great place to end this because mm-hmm. we have to do a part two. There's so much more to unpack <laughs> with you and what you can provide to people. But just what you said there at the end there, young people should listen to that over and over again, because as you know, having kids, you can't just tell them once, right? You got to, you got to say it multiple Mm -hmm. times for it to sink in, but very valuable. And I really do, our time's up. Mm -hmm. I really do appreciate you 
bringing yourself here and and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge uh, with our audience. I, I thank you. Can't thank you enough. This is this is great. Thank you for the opportunity. Fantastic. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, maybe to talk to you more about what we talked about, or talk to you about maybe your next uh, mm-hmm. your next gig. Uh, how do they contact you? Yeah, so I think uh, LinkedIn by by far is is the best. I'm on there quite a bit. I'm always on there, whether I'm in my situation where I'm lo- or or I just love the content that's out there. There's so much to learn from others. I share a lot of other people's posts, right? Just because there's an opportunity for us all all to learn. So absolutely, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll. I'll I'll respond pretty quickly because that's that's just how I'm wired. Yeah, I would love to you know continue to build a connection with those, whether it's someone who's looking for advice um, or 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 anything else. Right, just reach out to me. I too am on LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to me, it's probably one of the first. Uh, maybe I open my email and then open LinkedIn. So uh, I am on it uh, for the rest of the day, the duration of the day. So you can reach me on there at any time, or you can Google Chad Dean Integrated Management, and I come up uh, first. I'm pretty proud of that. Well, thank you, Scott, and appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. You got it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Financial Footsteps, Candid Conversations with Financial Leaders. We encourage you to apply the knowledge and wisdom shared in these conversations to your own career. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Your feedback is important to us as we continue to bring you more candid conversations and thought-provoking insights from successful financial leaders.